Hiring the wrong people for your team can hurt your business. Did you know that the average cost per hire in the United States is around $4,000? It's a process that takes a lot of time, and when someone doesn't match the culture and mission of the organization, you start losing money by the minute. The good news is that there are proven methods that help you get the right candidate on board the first time. In our upcoming masterclass, Don't Just Hire, Hire Right, I'll explain how to conduct an effective behavioral interview. By the end of the masterclass, you'll be able to plan, prepare, and conduct a high-quality interview, ensure the process is consistent, fair, and legal, and hire the right candidate for your company. Save the date, August 23rd, 2023, at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Please find the link to register in the show notes or go to our website, Gerard Training Solutions, for more info on this and more masterclasses. As leaders, as owners, as senior leadership, we see somebody that's a really great individual contributor and we automatically assume that's going to make great leadership. And so we promote them into a management position and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. They just, they've been really good at getting things done. So now I'm just going to get everybody to get things done. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am super glad that you're here, recording again from Ashland, Oregon, uh, my home away from home for the week. Hey, while you still have your device in your hand, as usual, I'd like to ask three favors. Number one, please subscribe to the show. Number two, please share the show with just one other person. And number three, please go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have Jane Levis with me. Jane, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Ah, Eric, thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I am an executive leadership coach and author working on a new book that's going to be published this October called Leading with Love. And what's really unique about it is this is about love as a power, not our 15-year-old emotions. And so I really, what we're looking at with Leading with Love is how as a leader, do you know yourself? How do you support others First, once you're really clear about who you are, and then how do you create success for all? Knowing that when you create success for all, financial success, which we're all we're all concerned about that as leaders of organizations, no matter what the size, we but knowing and trusting that that will come out of your support of your team, your employees, all your stakeholders that are impacted by your organization. So I come from, I have a tech background and I'm very unique in that I'm very right brain, left brain. So while I'm very analytical and I was a software developer, I also have an ability to relate and talk and help people create their visions and see what that big picture is, which really allows them to actually create more when they know what they're focused on. So that's just a little bit about me. 
Oh, that's cool. You know, I, I have to hearken back to my first job in Silicon Valley. Three of my first managers, not in a row, but three of my first managers, I think embodied that whole idea of caring for other people, caring for employees, caring for me, supporting when needed, giving a swift kick in the butt when that was needed as well. You know, that's, right. you know, yeah. you, you can you can be too nice, and and I always advocate. Hey, you know what? You've got to hold people accountable. You can be totally empathetic and also hold people totally accountable at the same time. That's totally fine. Um, and I just I'm I'm just thinking of of Brent, Jeff, and Sandy as these three managers who really embodied high performance and high empathy and high love, which is just wonderful. I'd love that you bring that. Thank you. Thank you. And that is so true that that and that leading with love also is not just about being nice, nice. And that was one of the, the concerns. One of there was a leader that I've been working with and um, she was having challenges with an employee. Mm-hmm. She was like, I have to let this person go. They are just not a fit. And I said, OK, because this isn't about keeping everybody. Mm-hmm. sometimes the most loving thing you can do is help somebody find their right path. Yes. And it may not be with you. And what we've, what we've seen over the last year where people getting fired by text, that is not leading with love. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's the antithesis. I mean, my, my big thing, the, the book that I'm writing starts with a chapter on empathy and how important empathy is in management today, especially, you know, here we are in the early 2020s where we've got chat GPT and AI. And, you know, I, I don't think it'll be long before people are getting fired by chat GPT. And so we need to make sure that, that the machines can't outhuman the human by bringing empathy and by bringing love to mm-hmm. ensure that, you know, we're being treated well as people, even if, we're not a good fit for that that job or that organization. Right. There is a fit for you someplace. Mm-hmm. There is a fit for everyone. Everyone's got their own skills, their own talents, their own unique contribution. And when we, as leaders, look at that, it actually expands all that we can do because we have the right people on our journey with us and it's their right journey instead of trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, that is a wonderful lead-in to what we're going to talk about today, which is leading versus managing. Mm-hmm. And the first question I have is, as, you know, as we talked and as I looked over you know, the info you provided me, is, is I'm really curious, how do you distinguish leading from managing? Well, it's... It's actually very easy when you think about it because you don't really manage people. You manage what they say they're going to do, the tasks that they're going to do, and you lead people. So it's you lead people and you manage their activities, their promises. So if you've got someone, say, you know, I've led multiple development teams and we're very date conscious. So a developer says that they're going to have this piece of code, whatever it is that they're writing, and they're going to have it done on Friday. I don't wait until six o'clock Friday 
to come and say, did you get that done? I come to them on Wednesday and just check in with how they're doing. Thursday, do they have any questions? Is, is there anything in the way? And then Friday, because everything's been moving slowly, I've got, a, I've got real confidence that it's going to be done. And the leading is how do I lead them as a person and develop them for their next job, their next role, the next assignment, the next project that we're going to be working on? That's part of their development. And so we're really, in leadership, we're developing people. And in managing, we're managing what they're doing. You know, what I love about what you're saying is that that using that frame, a lot of what I teach under the guise of management is actually probably half management and half leadership, where yes. it's like, okay, we need to set goals and we need to, to set milestones and so on and, and keep you on track. Yep. And then there's the feedback and the coaching and the performance management that's all about the human side mm-hmm. of, of leadership. So that's cool. I like it. I, and I really like that, that leading is about human, mm-hmm. the human interaction and management is about the doing and what you said you would accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes perfect yeah. sense. I think our <laughs> listeners are going to really enjoy what's coming from this conversation because of that distinguish that, that distinction between you know leading and managing and how they're so closely interrelated. It's hard to lead without some level of management, mm-hmm. and it's hard to manage without some level of leadership. Mm-hmm. And when you break them apart, though, and look at them, like you said, as two distinct tools and ways to support someone, it really gives you a place to stand as the leader to support your people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we can stop talk about stop talking about employees as resources. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they are, but they're they're people. I mean, these yes. are these are real people with feelings and thoughts and reactions to what goes on around them. And my wife works for an ed tech startup. This is a company with fewer than two hundred employees. They're they're somewhere around one hundred and fifty. So it's a little company. Mm-hmm. And they're going through a lot of change because they were super popular during the pandemic and now things are tailing off. And so there's a lot of adjusting that has to go on. And that's understandable that things have to be re- be reallocated. But what she's experiencing is management and not leadership from, from her manager. You know, there's there's a lot of task management and reallocation without much consideration for the human side of how that impacts everybody involved. And uh, it's, it's just, it's a shame because she loves the company and she loves what she's doing and she loves the people she works with, but she's feeling, I'm not, I'm not sure what the, what, what the word would even be, but she's not, she's definitely not feeling cared for during yeah. the process. Yeah. I, I so get that. You know, and and that goes back to the saying, people don't leave jobs or companies, they leave managers. Mm -hmm. And it's oftentimes when they are treated as a thing that does something as opposed to a human being that can create. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Great point. Thank you. Well, I've got some questions that I think are going to tie in nicely to this. And, you know, speaking of people, you got to have meetings with people sometimes. 
And some of those meetings go great. And some of those meetings are pointless. Some manager meetings don't go very well. They don't know if the team is clear about what they're supposed to do. So how can a manager fix this? How can a manager slash leader fix poor meetings where the team doesn't seem to really know what they're supposed to do by the end of it? Oh, yes. I've, I've led some of those meetings and I've been involved in, unfortunately, more than my share of those kinds of meetings where you get done at the end and you're like, I don't even know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so often what I see is that it comes from a man, and I'm going to use the term manager in this case, as opposed to a leader, because that's how that, even if that person is is expected to be a leader, they're acting as a manager. So they're trying to manage what other people are doing. And most people especially if they're skilled at what they they do and they're talented and they've got, they know what to do, really don't like being managed. And management tends to be a lot of telling, do this by this date. And I, I get it coming from a project management background and a technical background. You've got deadlines and dates and a big project schedule that somebody's responsible for those dates. What's oftentimes missing are the the conversations the and the the big picture of why we're doing this why these tasks are important and enrolling ensuring that everyone's on the same page as opposed to just jumping into a meeting and start talking about the dates and so my my suggestion my request is that if you get into a meeting like that and there's a sense that People aren't doing, accomplishing things in the right timelines is step back and get really clear about what it is that you're looking to create, why you're trying to create it, and ensure that everyone's on the same page and going to the same place. I love the idea of stepping back because so often... I've seen and experienced managers and employees get into a into a downward downward spiral where the emotion escalates, the rhetoric escalates, and things wind up in a crater whereas if the manager can sort of be the grown up in the room, you know, you've got two people with emotions and if the manager can just have that that little bit more emotional intelligence to say, "Okay, hang on, stop. Let's let's talk this through or let's take a break." And come back. Mm-hmm. And can I just say that's when the manager really steps into a leadership role mm-hmm. because leadership. So my definition of leadership, which I've created and I've worked on for a number of years to create it really simple, is leadership is about enrolling others in accomplishing your vision. Mm-hmm. So think of that. You're in a role as, say, the manager of a team. And we're going to go back to a project development. So you've got a project that you're creating. And you as the the manager of that team, we're going to ask you to step into the leadership role, put on your leadership hat, and get really clear about what is it that you're out to create. 
What is this mm-hmm. project? Why is it important? What is the impact it's going to have on your customers or whoever your customers are, whether they're internal or external, why it's important to them? And why do your team members care? Mm. And when you have that conversation with them, they are now invested in the creation of that. So they more often than not, what, what I found in my personal experience is once I do that, they want, they want to be involved. They want to know. They ask, begin to ask questions. They get curious. So that friction really goes away because mm-hmm. now they begin to own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Answering the question in, in learning and development, the big question I always ask when I'm designing a training, when I'm facilitating a program is with them. Mm-hmm. What's in it? What's in it for me? Yep. And so if I can answer that for the other person, you know, the, the group of participants in the room or the learner that I'm designing for as I'm writing a training, I'm more likely to have success and they're more likely to feel like, okay, this is for me and it's not just some generic thing. Right. That's powerful. That's a powerful way to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It, and it, it pays dividends. And so whether it's a training or whether you're leading a team and running a team meeting with them yep. is, is really helpful. All right. Well, we've talked about team meetings. Let's move on to motivation. So suppose a manager's team won't do what the manager tells them to do. What should the manager do? Mm. Think about how often they resist being told something to to do something. And again, this comes back to enrolling them in what you're out to accomplish, into the why. And when they're enrolled in the why, and if they're not enrolled, maybe they really don't belong in your team, or maybe you don't have, maybe you as the manager need to go to your leadership and get clear about why you're doing this so that you can share it with your team. And it's amazing how the most dysfunctional team will start playing well together when they all know where they're going. That reminds me of a team, the first team I led, I was an individual contributor on a team of three and I got promoted to lead that team. And I came in as a hardcore manager and I started telling <laughs> and I didn't answer any with them questions and, you know, was, was setting, was, was telling people what to do, but wasn't really explaining the why didn't set goals, didn't spend any time getting their input, just started waving my finger, you know, waving my, my baton and saying, you do that and you do that. And as you might imagine, it did not go well. So <laughs> that's a big reason why I do this today, you know, yes. and uh, Michael, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Michael and Tria, I'm so sorry. Yeah. But yeah, it just, I came in with no preparation, no training. I thought I knew everything, and it turns out that I just made a mess, and it just did not go well. Yes, and, and that, that is exactly one of the challenges that we have is as leaders, as, as owners, as senior leadership, we see somebody that's a really great individual contributor, and we automatically assume that's going to make great leadership. 
And so we promote them into mm-hmm. a management position and they don't know what to do. No. They don't know how to do it. They just, they've been really good at getting things done. So now I'm just going to get everybody to get things done. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly the, that's the space <laughs> I play in is, is for these new managers who either are being groomed to be promoted or more likely they've been promoted and they've hit the Peter principle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've, they've been promoted to their level of incompetence and now they're like, oh, geez, you know, like I, I need a hand. Or their manager says, oh, we need to get you some help. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it's unsalvageable. It's, it's it, yeah, with, with a little bit of training and support, somebody who, you know, goes from, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can, to, aha, that line can sometimes be fairly short. Yes. And so that's, that's the good news about all of this is that, you know, we can go from a manager of tasks to a leader of people fairly quickly. Yes. And it's amazing when that happens, how quickly a team can pull together and accomplish something. Because mm-hmm. one of my first experiences that really started creating this for me was I got asked, this was this was a number of years ago, to come in and take over a project. It was an 18-month project, and it was six months behind. And we were halfway through the project. What were the odds of getting it done? And it was a project that, it was a regulatory project, so the regulators were coming on the date that they were coming. There was no, oh, we'll just delay the project. No, it was it had to be ready for the regulators to come and review everything. And I walked into the first team meeting and I could I could hear the chaos in the room. Everybody was talking, there was no and I didn't even know what they what they were. It was a bunch of economists. And so after I listened to them for a while, I said can I ask everybody to stop for a minute? And they were like, yeah. I said, is this conversation relevant to what we need to accomplish? And they were, they, they looked at each other and, and a couple of them said, Hmm, not really. I said, okay, can we back up then? And really, can you help me get clear on what we need to accomplish? And when we were able to do that, step back, get the clear, get them all represented to what they were out to accomplish, we we started running, and we got things done because they were smart people. They knew what they needed to do if there was somebody to keep them all together. But they were they were all individual contributors, and they knew what they needed to do, but they didn't know what everyone else needed to do. Nice. It's it's I it, sometimes I think about a manager and a leader as a conductor of an orchestra. Mm-hmm. And these these are all excellent players, but they need somebody who knows the whole picture, who understands the whole score and so, can say this is this is what I need you to do at this time and this is what I need you to do at this time and I I know where the pieces fit and that's the big vision that we're all going for. Exactly. And I I love that because the leadership role is the role of bringing everyone in together at the right mm-hmm. time and the conducting and 
the making sure that it everybody's together and knows where they're going. Here's mm-hmm. the big picture. Mm-hmm. And the manager part is, does everyone have their right instruments? Mm-hmm. Do they have the right music? Are we all on the same page? But that manager is not going to have everybody playing together. Mm-hmm. And the conductor, the leadership, needs the manager role to make sure that everybody's set up with what they need. Mm -hmm. So that's a great analogy for the difference between management and leadership also. Yep. Beautiful. Well, let's, let's transition to the second part of the show. The way that I like to transition to this is to give you an opportunity to do a shameless plug. Ah. So do you have a product or a service you'd like to plug? Well, I'd love, I do stakeholder centered executive leadership coaching. And the reason that I use that model, and you can go to my website, which is lovas, L-O-V-A-S, consulting.com, is that I call it the difference between that so much coaching is behind closed doors. A leader's getting coached by their coach, and nobody in the organization may even know that they're being coached. Whereas stakeholder-centered coaching, the reason it's called stakeholder-centered coaching is because the leader creates a team of typically three to eight people that they enroll in what they're being coached on and they share it and they ask for support. So now their team members, their stakeholders, as it were, are enrolled in their success. So it's got a really high effective and success ratio. So I love that. And the second shameless plug is for my book, Leading with Love, that's going to be published in October. Beautiful. Okay. Mine is coming out in September. Maybe we should have a joint release party. Oh, we should. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Nice. Okay, great. Well, now let's transition to the fun stuff. Well, actually, that was fun. What we just that talked was about fun. was fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so here's something a little, then, then, you know, quoting Money Python and now for something completely different. So this is the lightning round where I get to ask you some slightly personal questions just to help, help the audience get to know you a little better. Great. The first question is, if you could interview anyone, if the, if the, the seats were switched and, and you were doing the interviewing, who would you like to interview? Anyone, living or dead, and why? Ooh, Martin Luther King, because mm-hmm. he's really the, one of the inspirations for leading with love. Because mm-hmm. everything he did was through the, the lens of love. And yet, so often we think of love as being, you know, that 15-year-old emotion. And really, it's a very powerful, he took a very strong stand for what he believed in. And I'd love to have expand his, that conversation, leading with love with Martin Luther. Wonderful. Excellent. Or Martin Luther King Jr. Say the yes. whole name. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Martin Luther was a different guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very but different guy. But, but this, yeah. Yep. Okay. Second quick question. Favorite vacation spot and why? Oh, I have to be difficult. Colorado or Utah so I can ski because I love water. Or Hawaii, so that I can swim, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be learning how to surf next year. I keep, uh, and so I love water in either one of its forms. 
Oh, excellent. <laughs> By the way, I'm a scuba instructor and oh, Hawaii, okay. Hawaii is a fantastic place to, to dive. Yeah. Yes. So con- consider that. Add that to your water activities. Yes, I will. All right. Where would you most like to travel aside from Hawaii, Utah, or Utah or Idaho? Colorado. Colorado. Well, I'm I'm going to Israel to speak in June, the end of June and July. So by this time, you might have already heard that. And I'm going to South Africa in November to speak. And I'm really excited to to go there because they're both like a week in the country. So I'll get to to do a little bit more than just speak on leading with love. Another shameless plug. And I am, I just love traveling. That's, that's the, so I'm excited to go to South Africa because I've never been there and I've never been to Israel. So I'm excited to go there. Cool. Where in South Africa are you going? Johannesburg. Johannesburg. I have a friend in Cape Town. That's, that's a ways away, I think. Is it? I see. I don't even have a real reference for it. So, yeah. Nice. Well, enjoy South Africa. Enjoy Israel. I'd I'd love to go to Israel. That would be fantastic. Yes. All right. Last question. Keeping it quick here. What brings you the most joy in your life? Well, I have three daughters, so they bring me a lot of joy. And supporting people, supporting leaders to get really clear about their vision. That is something that. I love doing. And that's why I coach. Wonderful. Well, that's a great note to end on. And I really enjoyed the the tone of our conversation. So this has been really, really enjoyable for me. I hope that our listeners enjoyed this as well. So Jane, thanks a lot. I really, really enjoyed having you on. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, remind us again how people can find you. They can find me on LinkedIn. And I am the only... as far as I know, the only Jane Lovis on LinkedIn. So very short, easy name and spelled L-O-V as in Victor, A-S. My website, lovisconsulting.com. On Amazon, I have a I have a book out currently called Put Your Big Girl Panties On and Kick Your Fears in the Ass. And <laughs> it's, it's a quick- I thought there was two books. It's one book. Okay. It's one book and it's a quick quick read. You can actually go to my my website and download it. It's a fun, inspirational, quick, quick read about what so many of us deal with is that I'm not good enough, imposter syndrome, being a fraud, all those, those things, and some fun little illustrations that I, that I created while I was, I was dealing with these same things. So it's a way for somebody to walk through that too. Awesome. Yeah, I should have read that when I was working at Apple. I had a bad <laughs> case of imposter syndrome at Apple. Holy cow. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at GerardTrainingSolutions.com. dot